So, and that's where the confusion comes in. So, protein, when we increase our blood nitrogen levels, we build lean tissue. When we build lean tissue, we're more efficient at burning fats. When we are more efficient at burning fat, we are less inflamed. When we're yes. less inflamed, we're less prone to disease. When we have enough blood nitrogen and enough amino acids circulating in the body, the cells can repair much more efficiently. So, muscle cells, in fact, every cell in the body needs amino acids and a full spectrum of amino acids to do to repair themselves, to yes. turn over, yes. to get rid of the, the waste products. The liver requires protein for detoxification. So the worst thing you can do when you want to detox is go on a juice fast. Hi, welcome to the High Performance Athlete Podcast, the show designed to help you compete at your highest potential. My name is Mike Roscoe, the owner of SBR Sport. Over the years, I've worked with both runners and triathletes, from Comrades Gold medalists to podium level triathletes. I'm looking forward to having you on this journey with me, where we're going to speak to a lineup of experts doctors, sports psychologists, professional athletes, and other thought leaders who will give you the tools and mindset needed to perform on a whole new level. Make sure you've subscribed to this podcast to catch all new episodes and share it with your friends and training partners. All right, so welcome to the High Performance Athlete Podcast. I've got Nikki Robertson with me, which is a real privilege to have you here, Nikki. Nikki runs her own podcast. She's got an unbelievable website. Her website is reinventhealth.co.za. You can find her on Twitter as well, reinvent, R-E-I-N-V-E-N-T, and then it's an underscore. Yes. And Nikki is N-I-C-C-I. Um, so you'll be able to find her there. She's got a program on DSTV. She's um, on 702. Uh, your story is kind of could take an hour just to do that. And I know we want to get on to nutrition for athletes, but your story has kind of been all over the place from dancing through to spinning, through to a lot of sport, through to weight fluctuations, being overweight, being bulimic. I'm not saying that as a gossip because it's on your, oh, on yeah. your website. It's and it's something that you, yeah, it's something that you've owned and, and you're using that to help people. So really... Um, you know, the, the object of this is to help athletes. And um, first question, carbs. Where do carbs come in um, on everyday diet as a high-performance athlete? And also, where do carbs come in on race day, be it an Ironman, be it a Comrades? Just give us a little bit of insight into that. Okay, so I think the really important thing is to define what a carbohydrate is. And when people say they don't eat carbs or they're cutting out carbs... Um, what is a carb anyway? What do you think a carb is when you say you're cutting it out? So for mm. most people, including athletes, um, when they say they're cutting out carbs, we're talking about bread, we're talking about pasta, we're talking about flour-based processed foods. And those, yes. in my book, are not carbs. That's junk food or it's processed food. But that is not food that fuels the body and enables us to perform at our best. Got it. When I talk about nutrition, talk about carbs, 
any of the macronutrients. We're wanting to look at foods that are ingredients, not something that you can just pop in a toaster or stick in the oven in a box and reheat it. That's not yeah. food. That is that is something that um, food manufacturers created so that they can make money. Yes. And that kind of thing for most of us has negative impacts. Whether you're um, the average person or a child or an athlete, there's going to be a repercussion eventually. So that is those aren't carbs. Flour-based products, pastas, there's a place for them. Um, and then most natural form, but that's not carbohydrates. So when yeah. I talk about carbohydrates, I'm referring to things that are whole foods, vegetable-based carbohydrates. For example, sweet potatoes, butternuts, legumes. And we'll talk about why legume is not a protein just now. Okay. Um, but those are the foods that fill up our glycogen stores, enable us to be anti-inflammatory. So yes. where you've got a lot of additives, say in bread or pasta, things that are shelf-stable, um, you will find over time that there will be adverse effects. And these things cause inflammation because they're not food, they're chemicals. Yes. And the body doesn't know what to do with those chemicals. So, so we've only produced them over the last 50, 60 years. Yes. You kind of look into ancient history 2.6 million years ago when we were running around the cradle of mankind uh, we were eating tubers we were eating yes. nuts uh, we were hunting we were eating meat um, we you know there wasn't a corner cafe sure sure yeah. so i don't really believe in cutting carbs i think you're going to suffer on some level mm. completely um with the, the 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 thinking that when somebody has diabetes or they have some kind of inflammatory disease even cancer to an extent cutting out things that create an insulin spike in the body is a very good idea yes. just to balance that that um that glycemic response so you know with the average person i'm talking about not a professional athlete but the average person who has some kind of metabolic issue going very low on the carbohydrate value and going higher on the healthy natural fats the healthier proteins it's hugely beneficial for naturally managing a glycogen response so there's a place for all of these things but you know i don't think anybody can honestly say nowadays that there's a one-size-fits-all you have to take each and every individual on a case-by-case um, you know, scenario. Yes. So if you're an athlete and you have your training X amount of hours a day and you have specific needs and specific goals and specific outcomes, you need to recover and you need to have endurance for a specific period of time. We need to create something that's very much determined by your age, your body fat percentage, how much lean muscle you've got, your your training hours, your resting hours is a science to this. So it's yes. not just a case of eat this, not that. So you um, can't just download a, a, a kind of a recipe off of the internet or an eating plan it doesn't work like that we're too specific as we're human too specific. beings and that is what I learned when I went through this myself years and years ago is I discovered that nutrition is not about calories nutrition mm. is about chemistry mm. and when you understand what's going on chemically within an individual you can tailor make that recipe for the best outcomes for that person yes yes all right, so now um, you kind of want to go things like sweet potatoes you mentioned. You want to avoid sort of almost the stuff that looks a little bit more white, like your pastas, your flowers. To an okay. extent, yeah. So, you know, human beings have been eating bread for thousands of years without detrimental effects. Mm. I can't really speak for people who lived thousands of years ago. I've never met anybody, you know, who can really well, say. Okay. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> um, but, you know, bread, when you make it yourself and bread, when you buy it, from a well-known retailer is a very different animal. Um, Something that you buy off the shelf in a plastic packet is going to be soft 10 days later. 
bread that you make yourself is going to be toast on day two and it's going to be bird food on day three. And yes. that is what bread should do. Yes. So it's not really the wheat or the grain that's to blame. It's what else goes into there. So okay. there's a place for these things. Yeah. But we're striving for as whole food and natural and unadulterated as possible. Yes. Then there's the side of, you know, the thinking that two-thirds of the population on this planet subsist off rice successfully without health issues. In Asia, rice is a staple. Yes. It's a white grain. Yes. What's the problem? It's what we add to that, okay. the chemicals that go into that, that are a problem. Things like rice and unadulterated grains are not a problem for young, healthy people without comorbidities or without other health issues. Yeah. It's when we start abusing the body and having a lot of takeouts and, and the amount of young guys I see coming to my practice who have got gut problems, and these are athletes, and they live on takeouts yes it's just it's just you know it blows my mind they've never cooked anything in their lives and that's why they're suffering so the minute you teach them to take that ingredient and that ingredient put it in a in a, in a pot with with natural sea salt the symptoms change the energy changes the quality of life changes yeah. so you know you can't live off junk food and expect to perform yeah it's amazing how fussy we are with the, with the fuel you put in your car. Ah, and then exactly. when it comes to the human body, we go, oh, it just actually doesn't matter. As long as I'm hungry, I can eat this. Well, that's it. You know, the human body is really good at adaption. So we're used yeah. to taking a pull for a problem, which is a big problem in itself, because you'll end up taking more pulls to counteract the effects of the pulls that you're taking. Yes. yes. Um, and you will get sick. I mean, we're seeing huge, uh, you know, growths in cancer and diabetes and heart disease. And that's directly linked to what we're eating. Yeah. You can't get away from that and yes people will put the best fuel into their cars they will give their pets the best food the most expensive food um, which actually i don't believe is really good for these pets either but they don't look after themselves everything is is instant gratification couldn't be bothered i'll take a pull if i have indigestion and that's a big problem because it's going to it's going to come back and bite you yeah all right, so carbs, we're trying to keep these as healthy as possible, as real as possible, as unprocessed as possible. Protein, where does that come in? The more I study protein, um, the more important protein seems. Give, give me a little bit of background on protein for an athlete. I am a huge fan of protein. I can't explain enough what protein, and, and I'm going to say it right out, animal protein is is the most important thing you can consume as an athlete and as a non-athlete. Non mm, mm. People do not eat enough protein. So my first problem with um, dietary guidelines is, you know, what is high protein anyway? What is high carb anyway? For who and under what circumstances? Just yes. to blanket something. And my pet peeve is seeing labeling um, on a shelf where it says high protein. And when you really look at it, th 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 there's no such thing. Yeah. And, you know... If greenwashing is a problem. It's a big problem. It is probably one of the biggest causes of most of these diseases we spoke about. You mm -hmm. know, when a person goes and lives on fast food burgers, they're willingly going and putting junk down their throats, and they know they are. But when you're trying to eat healthily and you go to a supermarket and you are being misled by greenwashing, which is labeling... Okay. That is misleading you on purpose. So yes. a label could be in a box or, or a product could be in a box that is brown paper, looks like brown paper, has a green writing or leaf on the, on the box and it says high 
protein, low carb, blah, 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 all these, this terminology, you think you're making a better choice. Yes. But if you had to turn that box over and look at the ingredients, there's nothing in there that you'd probably have in your kitchen. And that's where the problem is. This isn't real food. Okay. But we're being legally led to believe that it's a better option. Yes. And it's not. And that's a big problem. But going back to protein. So protein increases the level of blood nitrogen in the body. And now when you have positive blood nitrogen, you become more efficient at burning fat for energy. Yeah. So when that happens, you build muscle. Now I'm not talking about bodybuilder, big muscles like Arnie, because that has got nothing to do with protein. It's got everything to do with other chemistry. So they take a lot of, uh, not just, not even supplements. Supplements is another subject, but a lot of artificial chemicals. Call it steroids. Steroids. (laughs) Call it what it is. It's artificial growth stimulants that cause that kind of response. Protein Mm. is not to blame for people looking like they just, you know, sucked on a hose full of air. Um, So, and that's where the confusion comes in. So protein, when we increase our blood nitrogen levels, we build lean tissue. When we build lean tissue, we're more efficient at burning fats. When we are more efficient at burning fat, we are less inflamed. When we're less inflamed, we're less prone to disease. When we have enough blood nitrogen and enough amino acids circulating in the body, the cells can repair much more efficiently. So muscle cells, in fact, every cell in the body needs amino acids and a full spectrum of amino acids to to repair themselves, to turn over, to get rid of the, the waste products. The liver requires protein for detoxification. So the worst thing you can do when you want to detox is go on a juice fast. Why? Because you need... Um, amino acids to bind to fat-soluble toxins, make them water-soluble so that they can be excreted through the liver and kidneys. So I've kind of said that to a number of people, you know, that say I'm on a detox diet and I'm going, your liver is meant to detox you. Uh, There's no such thing as that. I agree. So enough protein... Gives the, gives liver. the liver the fuel it needs exactly. to do the job and the liver will detox you. Exactly. Cool. That's what it's meant to do. Yeah. But you've got to choose your protein carefully. Okay. So going and assuming that the burger patty and the fast food that you're eating is protein, that's not protein. Yes. That is junk food. Yes. There's maybe 20% protein in there if you're lucky. Um, your animal protein that is full of pesticides and hormones is not protein. That is something else completely. Mm. So, yes, we're talking about grass-fed. You're talking about wild-caught fish that is full of healthy beneficial fats, which mm. are really, really good for your brain and for your body. Yes. Um, so when I advise somebody to, to eat the right, not a high protein or low protein, the right protein, we work it out on, on, on total body weight. It's a gram per kilo of total body weight. So here's yeah. where the confusion comes in again. If I tell you, you need 100 grams of protein, you're going to go off and weigh a 100 gram piece of chicken. You're going to assume that's your protein. Yes, and it's not all protein. It's not protein. Yeah. 100 grams of chicken is about 30 grams of protein. Yes. We are all chronically under eating protein. And w- I mean, for me, when I need to lose weight quickly for whatever reason, I double my protein, my body fat comes off. And it Mm. comes off at 100 grams a day of body fat. And this you can replicate with just about anybody, but people are fearful because they think there's a problem. Why? And they can't tell you. They think it's bad. What's bad is the junk you're eating and the wine that you're swallowing by the bottle. I worry about the chicken. It's just full of sugars and... And chemicals. I mean, the average bottle of wine, this is what I've been told, has on average about 67 different preservatives, additives, and stabilizers, defoaming agents in there, just to keep it from going off too quickly. And here people are drinking it to bring the cholesterol down. Uh, 
exactly. <laughs> and that's also <laughs> a complete misnomer. Fabulous marketing. But yeah. The amount of resveratrol in red wine is negligible yes. to actually do anything for heart yeah. health. So, so now back to protein. Oh, back there's to protein. so much to discuss here. Okay. So yeah, protein to me, if <clears throat> I could choose one macronutrient never to cut back on, it would be protein. Yeah. Um, your, your skeletal system is heavily dependent on protein because if you have strong muscles, you're not going to deplete protein from the yes. body. But it's you know, not to say at the expense of carbs or the expense of fats. We need everything in yes, our diets. Yes. You know, when you combine proteins and healthy fats with a high glycemic carbohydrate, you're bringing down the negative effects of that carbohydrate. Yes. Uh, protein increases satiety, stops you from getting hungry, stops you from overeating, which leads to, you know, portion control. People are on about portion control. I've yet to meet someone who said they binge eat steak. You can't possibly overdo protein. Yes, it's naturally you're right. you, there's a handbrake. You're right. You know, yeah. when it's something like popcorn, because there's no nutrients in there whatsoever, and because it's full of these chemicals that keep your body wanting more and or your brain actually wanting more yeah. and more, um, they, you, you don't stop. The yeah. minute you add some biltong to that or some healthy fats to that, you're going to naturally tap out at the appropriate amount. And there are certain times of your life when you're going to need more protein. I know for me, like a 200 gram steak. That Fabulous. is my max. I mean, I, I can't go more than that. No. I end up feeling horrific. And so, mm. as you said, there is your brain just goes, right, dude, you've, you've eaten enough. Whereas if you put me in front of any cake with apples in it, oh, yes. uh, there's no off button. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then people say, well, they don't digest protein. But that's not the protein. That's because there's something going on with your digestive system. So if okay. you don't have the enzymes, the protease, to break down those that the protein and extract the amino acids out of there mm. then you're going to be in trouble you're not going to break down anything it's not just the protein that's indigestible so you know again it's case by case it's person by person it is for me the most important macronutrient out there we cannot you cannot live without it you cannot hope to be healthy without the right amount of protein and and would you obviously you've got to meet with an individual to work out what their protein needs are um, are you in favor of a protein supplement if you yes. just can't get enough meat or eggs into your system? Uh, you know, modern day life as well makes, makes life quite tricky. No, okay. for sure. Look, I'm a big fan of whey protein, but whey protein that has been manufactured correctly yes. doesn't have anything else in there. So um, supplements are really tricky to get right because in a type of whey protein, you can have casinate, calcium casinate or casein protein. So whey protein is was created... In the, when people made cheese, when you make cottage cheese, you yeah, take milk, right. you put in some, yeah. re, some enzymes, it separates out curdles, curds yes. and whey. The cheese part is the casein, which is one thing, but the water on top is the whey. And that is the thing that contains um, a lot of your amino acids, especially L-glutamine and um, the, the, the substances that protect your immune system. Yes. So what was happening, I think it was in the early 1980s, were there were farms all over the US and they were making cheese and they were pouring the way off the cheese and giving them back to the cows. Yes. And these cows became really buff. You know, there's no other way of saying it. They had muscles, they were healthy, they had shiny coats. And there was a scientist who was looking for a product for medical food to tube feed patients who are in comas so that they didn't develop sarcopenia, which is muscle loss. Yes. And the biggest cause of death is muscle loss. So once the muscles go, everything goes. Your immune system goes. So they were looking for something to preserve muscle loss in people who were either paralyzed or in a coma. So they went along to these farms and they said, what are you feeding the cows? And they said, well, we're giving them the whey. So they took the whey, they tested it and found out that it was in fact a superfood. Yes, that's right. Freeze dried it, put it into these, these medical foods and these patients were not only surviving, they were thriving. Yeah. 
But then the supplement industry got hold of it and suddenly into these tubes, into these tubes, into these bottles, you get casein, you get milk powder, you get sweeteners and colorants. And a lot of people bloat and they feel very uncomfortable on on what is uh, called the protein the way, shake. It's all the other it's stuff. The, it's the other yeah. stuff. Just yeah. like the other stuff that's in bread and the other stuff that is in these supposed health foods. Yes. So you can't go blame the way because it's actually that's the good stuff. But it's yes. really expensive to manufacture, yes. really expensive to package. It's it's a, a extraction and filtration process that um, is is hugely technologically complex um, to do it right because the temperature's got to be right, the quality of milk has got to be right. And there's a couple of farms in the world that get, get it right, but it's a premium product. Yes. So again, whether you're eating a loaf of bread or you're getting a, a whey protein shake from a pharmacy, you, you get what you pay for. I think also chatting to, uh, we did a podcast a little while ago with Dr. Mark Oliver. You know, and Mark was saying, you know, if you're a triathlete, and you've swum in the morning, and you haven't had enough protein, your arms are literally going to demand those amino acids from your legs. You're going to get a breakdown in your legs that you can feed your arms, and then the next day you go for a run, and your legs are going to be trying to find that nutrition. They're going to find that in your arms. So your body is just feeding off of itself, and so you're going to, performance-wise, you're going to get to a level of performance but because your body is so busy chewing on itself, you, you're never going to get to that next level. Diminishing returns. So we need the glycogen for energy, and we need fats for energy, but we need the muscle, or the, the, the protein for repair and recovery, critically. Yeah. And if you're sick, so if you are down with a flu or you're in recovery, your protein intake should be high yes, as well. Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. you, just because you're not training doesn't mean you taper off on the protein. It is really important, even if you don't train, to get those protein levels up because you won't lose muscle and you'll stay metabolically active, yes. which is what we're aiming for. I think what, what a lot of people do is they go, immunity is vitamin C, but yeah. immunity is vitamin C, but it also is protein. It's a whole bunch of things, but it's you so definitely want to get your protein levels up for, for strong immunity. Yeah. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Critical. Let's have a look at fats. That's kind of the other big macronutrient. Um, you know, the problem is that people kind of go fats, and then we've been taught to put an equal sign, and the equal sign goes fat. So if I eat fats, I'm going to get fat. Therefore, I'm going to starve myself with fats. And yet, fat is the ultimate endurance fuel. Uh, Alex Hutchison, in his book Endure, reckons that the average man has got enough fat on his belly that if he could only burn fat alone, would be able to run for 100 hours only drinking water if he could fully fat adapt. And so fat becomes your ultimate endurance fuel. Tim Noakes points out that if you're doing Ironman, by the time you hit the marathon, you are completely out of all other fuels, and that the entire marathon, 42 kilometers of running, will only be done on fat. If you are taking any carbs in, the carbs are literally going to be there to keep your brain going. And then that's the same as comrades. There, there's, there's something that happens at comrades, and you can speak to any comrades runner. Uh, they, a lot of them will say that the race starts at the 62K mark. And you kind of... 
you know, you, you go through 40 Ks and you go, I'm not feeling that bad. You go through 50 Ks, you're going, I'm a little bit uncomfortable and tired. You go through 60, you go, this is fantastic, I've got this thing. And you hit 62 Ks. And part of the terminology is that there's a little garden gnome that kind of comes out and he blows your left leg off. And, and about three Ks later as you're running, there's another little gnome who sees you, your right leg is still working and he blows that off. And from there that's when you kind of have to do this thing on fat. And, and so can we kind of just look into fats? What's a bad fat? What's a good fat? What fat is going to kill me? Does fat make me fat? Okay. So the thing that makes you store fat is insulin. Insulin is the fat storage switch. And insulin is manufactured in the pancreas in a response to gly- glycogen intake or glucose intake. So whenever yes. you eat proteins or carbohydrates, good or bad, doesn't really matter, there's glucose in your blood. The pancreas is triggered to make insulin. It grabs onto the glucose molecule, deposits it in your cells. Yes. Whether it's your brain cell, your muscle cell, your eye cell, doesn't really matter. That's the role of insulin. That's the carrier. Yeah. That's the taxi that ta- transports this this glucose yes now what happens with people who eat way too much sugar way too much processed food is they start making more insulin than they need which is a precursor to diabetes so when your insulin levels are high we see higher levels of of insulin in the blood yeah and what happens then is when there's too much insulin um, we store fat we start becoming fat storers not fat burners yes become inefficient at using those glycogen stores and interesting the only human beings yes you don't get fat elephants or fat horses not unless there's a human in just unless there's a human okay intervening Mm. with what they're eating yeah in nature you don't get insulin resistance yes you just it doesn't happen so this is a completely engineered concept yes people with type 1 diabetes that's a completely different conversation we're talking about insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes directly related to lifestyle and choices that we make yes so insulin is your fat storer and that influences all of your other hormones. It downregulates testosterone, which inhibits fat, um, muscle storage, muscle yes. building. And when we have lower testosterone, high insulin, no matter what diet you follow, you're going to store fat. It becomes increasingly more difficult to burn yes. fat. Yes. So when we consume dietary fat, we don't trigger insulin production. So on a chemical level, fat cannot make you fat. Yes. When you combine it with sugar, that's a disaster. So processed foods, junk foods are hydrogenated fats, which are inflammatory fats, combined with sugar, which again is inflammatory. And then some salt just so that your brain flips out completely. Sodium, not yeah. even natural salt, not mineral salt, but pure old, good old, iodated um, sodium. Yes. And then it's a recipe for disaster. And this is what people are bought up on. Yes. A chicken nugget, which most parents think is a protein source for their kids, is a junk food. It is hydrogenated fats, not good quality fats, really bad quality um, uh, carbohydrates, so yeah. maize, which is prolific, and mulched chicken, which is chicken combined with sludge, really yeah. like sludge. And it's, it's put into a, into a silicon mold, and that's what we're giving our kids. Yeah. So we're conditioning the endocrine systems from very young to maladapt, yes. and that's, this is the problem. So... Healthy fats are critically important for life. It's important for brain growth and development. It's critical for hormone um, regulation. So your healthy fats are naturally anti-inflammatory, and they come from fish, they come from olives, they come from olive oil, butter, 
fantastic. But again, it's the quality. So if those olives have been sprayed with pesticides, we're going to have a problem. Yes. If the butter comes from a place where those animals are subject to tons of hormones and, um, you know, pesticides and those kinds of things, that's not going to be the best quality fats. That's going to still trigger some kind of inflammation. So ketosis or the ketogenic or the banting diet is something that has been subject to a lot of misinformation, misunderstanding. Yes. People read these books and they completely slant the information based on their filtration system that's yeah. going on in their brain. Yeah. They misinterpret it completely. Nobody ever said a ketogenic diet was cheddar cheese wrapped in bacon. Yes. Honestly, but yeah. this is how people interpret it as a, as a free reign to go and go crazy and just eat fats. And that's not what they're saying yes. at all. We're looking at anti-inflammatory healthy fats are a critical part of, of, your, of your diets. And yeah. you will find those in those natural proteins. So oily fish is a, a Rolls Royce food. And you don't have to have a lot of money to eat oily fish. You can eat pulchards and yes. sardines. Yes. And, you know, these really inexpensive fish um, that don't have high levels of mercury because they're so small. And that is a superfood for your brain. And that is going to balance the sugar levels in your body. It is going to be anti, um, anti-inflammatory. So there's many, many ways for everybody, regardless of what they earn. I mean, unless you're absolutely poverty stricken to get in a variety of macronutrients, including healthy fats. Yes. You know. That's the omega-3s that bring down inflammation. Yes. And they bring it down naturally. I, you do. know, I deal with so many injured athletes here and they're all kind of automatically looking for an anti-inflammatory. And all the anti-inflammatory does, apart from causing it or potentially causing an ulcer, is it um, is it manipulates the omega-3s. And so you can kind of do without that and get onto omega-3s, bring your inflammation levels down naturally, reduce insulin levels, uh, and yet people just, you know, it's so much easier. I think we were brought up in a generation. I don't think so much so for this generation. I think there's a greater awareness now. But I look at the way I was brought up, I was kind of taught to believe that there's a tablet for everything. Me too. If you're aggressive, there's a tablet. If you're sad, there's a tablet. If you're overweight, there's a tablet. If you've, you know, there's, there was a tablet for everything. And now we're kind of going, no, this is, this is not really panned out that well. It's exactly the opposite. When I was really battling with my own personal, you know, weight loss journey, I was very fortunate to be able to work with um, a brilliant endocrinologist. And I remember sitting at his desk one day saying, there's a pill out there that you're not telling me about. Um, yeah. Give me the magic pill. Yeah. And he said, I can't. It's you. You've got to do this. You've got to eat the right foods. And I didn't want to hear it, but he was right. And, you know, that, that changed my entire life. Yeah. He said, eat food, eat real food and yeah. stop looking for tablets. And I was in I was conditions. Yes. I had horrific dietary habits. I mean, I used vodka and Red Bull as energy, you know, before training. Yeah. I had because vodka to calm the nerves because you're going on stage. You know, something had to take you down a level and then the Red Bull could keep you going. But you couldn't stop because you'd plow through it so fast. And I was I was I was nailing my, my endocrine system. And when I changed onto a whole food diet it happened so fast. The healing, the the inflammation went. It went so fast. The body just finds itself. But so quickly. It didn't take time. It was within within 12 weeks. I'd lost 30 kilos of fat. But this was after a lifetime of doing it wrong. Yes. So when you yes. give your body the resources, and the right resources, it responds so efficiently. And it's such a wake-up call. I had a bodybuilder here. I never, years ago, and then I, I've kind of managed to to really try and get my head around a number of these nutrition things. 
Um, and he made it very, I, I worked out with him what it was about sugar that makes, that gets you inflamed. And so he had been a bodybuilder and he had been in the whole steroid thing. And then before shows, more and more steroids and then, you know, sp- spray, paint, tan and 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 then before the show you know they they would starve themselves yeah. for like five days so dehydrate. that the skin would be gripping totally dehydrate and then he said to me before the show you would do lightweight high reps just to get these muscles all bulgy and then he said and just before the show you would eat but you know those big slabs of chocolate he said you would eat an entire slab of chocolate like that and I said what was it that you just felt so weak that you couldn't get onto stage he goes no the sugars inflame the cardiovascular system and I said and how does that work and he said as you eat the chocolate suddenly these veins just start bulging out from all over the place and at that moment I went oh <laughs> you know you, you kind of go inflammation how does it inflame the cardiovascular system you know how does it do that and you you can't quite get your mind around that and then when you have this picture of every blood vessel in your body suddenly getting inflamed and taking shape you go dude that's it that's it yeah i understand inflammation yes so before a photo shoot we used to mix up red wine and glycerine swallow it and then watch the veins pop out it was fascinating so if you ever want a, a like a lab rat just find a bodybuilder they'll try anything, anything yeah you know including rat kill, poison of course because you know, rat poison has you, got stuff to speed up your metabolism sure yeah. it, and and i know of people who've done this it yeah. is as bizarre as it sounds they will try anything just just to get the edge so i mean it's it is it's crazy but you will see i mean the glycerine and red wine you could see it in like within a few minutes you could see things start to shift you could see you know the nitrogen going through those veins yeah it was insane. another big thing is shifting is your chance of having a heart attack yeah but many many bodybuilders and i know men i know personally know of many people who've died doing yeah. that and yeah. because they put so much strain on the liver and the kidneys and the heart that eventually something gives in and the dehydration is usually the thing that just caps it yes because the blood gets thicker and thicker mm. um and then you're just inflaming that whole cardiovascular system yeah. terrifying what we do to ourselves okay Four athletes that are, are sitting and they're training quite hard. It might be a comrade, an Ironman, a 21, whatever their, their, their goals are. Um, supplements. Uh, do you believe in supplements? Should we be taking vitamins? Should we be taking things like magnesium? If so, what kind of supplements should one look at? I, and, and, and I am cognizant of the fact that there isn't a one-size-fits-all, otherwise we would just publish this thing. Each person is a little bit different, but just some general guidelines. Mm. So, yeah, back to basics, F- food first. And if yes. you're getting a, a wide whole food diet, most of those um, needs for extra supplementation will be taken care of on non-performance days. So, it, again, yes. we're talking about athletes here, and their needs are greater than an average person who can probably get by on a whole food diet. So the one thing that is lacking in many people is magnesium. Um, what we need to do is the best way to know is to check. So we do a, a, a blood test, serum test, urine test to see if there is a shortage of magnesium. And in many people there are because yeah. they're not getting in a broad spectrum of foods. Yes. Um, you know, so magnesium is possibly, but you can also overdo magnesium. In fact, you can overdo anything. Yes. Um, zinc is really good for your immune system. And I recommend that to most athletes, but too much zinc depletes the body of copper. So we've got to have the right dosage uh, for the time, it's got to be dosage appropriate yes. and appropriate to a person's needs. So magnesium, one of the first signs you'll know if you need magnesium is if you're cramping. 
um, if you're getting headaches, yeah. if you are not sleeping properly, if you're constipated, those are all signs of subclinical magnesium inefficiency or deficiency. Yes. Many people don't absorb the magnesium that they're taking in in the first place if they're taking in too much caffeine. So you're going to get rid of it really fast. It depletes magnesium. Oh, that's a big one. Caffeine. and Because it's a lot of athletes live from one caffeine shot to the next chocolate exactly. bar to the next caffeine shot to get through the day that's it so to okay. know if that's the case we check magnesium levels in urine because it'll be coming out in the urine if you if you're too diuretic yeah too much water as well will deplete it'll dilute the magnesium yes not enough salt not you know, you know if you go into a whole food diet the chances of you getting too much salt is minimal and you need salt you need yes. an electrolyte so your magnesium and sodium are electrolytes which are so so important yeah for, for the electrical um, communication between the brain and the muscles. Your heart is a muscle that is hugely dependent on magnesium. Yes. So that is probably a key for athletes. Electrolytes, I'm a big fan of electrolytes. I like to do electrolyte loading before a long run. Um, but when I say loading, I'm not saying huge amounts. It's yeah. appropriate amounts. Appropriate. And, and also the change between winter and summer. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah the, especially in summer, you need to probably look at that a little bit more closely. The immune support um, supplements, vitamin C to an extent, I don't really think vitamin C is wow. I think there are certain applications where vitamin C is usually very helpful. Skin health is one. If you mm. have a skin issue, I find vitamin C more beneficial than zinc, funnily enough. Um, if I had to choose one supplement, it would be zinc. I find zinc to be just so pivotal to so many metabolic um, reactions in yeah. the body. And these things and are the whole basic. immune system as well. Yeah. Okay. Now, if our foods are grown in soil that is rich in nitrogen, rich in minerals, we're going to get these things anyway. You know? yes. But for most people living or processed foods or even foods in a supermarket, when, um, say, you know, apples are stored in cold storage, they're going to attenuate their nutrients. So mm. you're not going to really get it out of this fresh food. So, yeah. again, we've got taste in blood. Um, there's many uh, symptoms, like I said earlier, where you, if you are going down with colds and flu every winter, we've got to look at your recovery. If you're letting yourself recover enough, and yes. if you, you know, you've got to give that immune system a little bit more support by way of zinc. Whey protein, but again, it depends who makes it. Um, electrolytes, and not much more than that. You know, um, branched chain amino acids, no, not if you're eating a good serving of protein. Because it's going to be in your protein in any case. It's going to be there. That's it. I've no. never, you know, really seen, and I've tried everything from carnitine to, you name it, I've test driven it as mm. well. <laughs> and the only thing I can really say that works um, is zinc. Okay. At the right dosage. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then lastly, um, getting into a supermarket. Just take us through. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting that whenever you walk into a supermarket, you're walking into the vegetable and fruit section. I've been told that it is to give people the psychological sort of feel that they're about to do something very, very healthy. And then they buy one or two fruits and then they kind of go to the highly processed foods. Um, where does one go through in a supermarket to make sure that you, you, you're getting relatively healthy stuff? Okay. So retail psychology is highly manipulative. It mm. is designed to lull you into a sense of everything's great, the lighting, the music. Some stores even have a signature scent that they pump through. Yes. You know, to put you in this place of 
uh, you know, when I walk into a shop, I completely forget what I'm there for because I'm so distracted by all these bright colors and the flowers and the yeah. fresh produce. Unless I've got a list, there's no way I'm going to get everything I came there for. And this is what <laughs> it's designed to do. It's designed to confuse you yeah. and to, to get you to buy more than you really planned on yes. buying. So, yes, um, the, the saying goes, if you shop on the outer perimeter of the food store, you're going to probably buy the better stuff or the stuff that's healthier for you yes anything on the in sort of the middle of the of the food store and contains more than one ingredient so more than one you know if it let's put it this way a packet of apples doesn't need an ingredient statement because it's apples just apples you know (laughs) the 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 whole chicken does not have an ingredient statement because it is what you see yes and that's what you should be buying yes the minute you need um, an ingredient statement any breakdown of macronutrient profiling that's where you're going to go wrong so you go to shop to buy ingredients that you're going to cook at home and this doesn't have to be complicated you don't go shopping ready to eat meals and then you'll generally be much much healthier yeah and the thing is you know it's laziness it's just conditioning people don't cook anymore because who's got time but if you if it's important to you make time and if you're an athlete you find a day on the weekend where you prep and plan and do all your meals for at least three days i don't like cooking for longer than three days Mm. you can make your own ready to eat meals that are completely nutritious and designed to keep you going so yeah that is you know we are being manipulated no food retailer really wants to kill its um shoppers because there's going to be nobody left to do the shopping But they also want us to buy stuff. Yeah. And they want us to buy stuff that there's a bigger profit margin because they need to make money. Yes. You know, bottom line is nobody's out there doing it completely and utterly for your well-being. Only you are. Okay, one last question. I know that we, we're sort of running out of time. Mm-hmm. Coffee. Yes. I've, and it's taken me years to get to this point, and, and I'm kind of new to this. This is about the last three months. Uh, I've come to the conclusion that if I need more than two cups of caffeinated coffee a day, I'm too tired and I need to cut back on training or I need to sleep more. Is there a rough guide to that? Um, And it's taken me ages to get there because I could quite happily have five or six cups of coffee a day. Um, I'm now really trying to change this and it's actually been easier than what I thought. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, I used to live on about four or five double espressos a day and I thought that was quite normal. I could sleep fine. Um, until it stopped working. So coffee is, there's huge benefits yes. in many, many ways. So freeze-dried instant coffee is depleted of the oils and the polyphenols or the, the nutrients that are actually good for you. So the, the, the good stuff in the coffee is the stuff, when you rub a coffee bean in your fingers, it's the oil. So okay. it's contained in the fatty substances in that coffee bean. Yes. When you freeze-dry a coffee bean to make it instantized, you're getting rid of all the good stuff. So instant coffee is not good for you. Okay. You need to get the oils and the polyphenols out of, the, out of the actual bean. So okay. fresh ground coffee is perfect. Right. And the espresso is fine. You know, the pods are fine because it's fresh ground coffee. Yes. And the, 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 the polyphenols in there are preserved. Okay. So that's the good side of the coffee. There's a lot of health benefits. Yes. Um, the caffeine is another story. Some people tolerate caffeine really well. Others don't. And that is genetic. So some people process it really quickly. That said, it still has a six to 12 hour half-life in the body. You'll still find caffeine six hours 
uh, in the blood six hours after you've yes. drunk it. So some people say they can sleep properly after having coffee at night. Um, they're not going into deep sleep. I can bet you anything. They're not getting restorative sleep. Yes. It is a stimulant. There's You can't get past that. It is a stimulant. So, yeah. yeah. Um, nothing wrong with coffee if you can tolerate it. If you don't feel like you're getting palpitations. If you are not getting headaches from it. Some people are just way too sensitized. And they have very obvious adverse reactions, don't do it. Find something else. You don't have to drink. You know, you don't have to have coffee. Um, so, you know, ca- a decaf coffee still has trace amounts of caffeine in it. It's not completely decaffeinated. Yes, yes. Um, I love coffee. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big part of my enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, but cut off at 12 o'clock. Definitely cut off at 12. Yeah, I've been cutting at about 1. Yeah. Because if I don't cut at 1, that's me. Yeah. I'm awake the whole night. And you can, you'll <laughs> eventually, you know, you start to see, and as we age, it becomes more and more apparent. Our tolerances in your teens and 20s is a very different situation. Once you hit 35, everything changes. You know, your serotonin levels change, your t- testosterone levels change. Yeah. So your testosterone drops. Um, the amount of hydration or the, the water in the body changes everything changes um so yeah and again it's personal but being a stimulant if you want to sleep and you should be putting a lot a lot of importance into your sleep quality i think it's so fundamental you can make all the healthy changes you want in your diet if you're not sleeping you can forget about any health that's where the body rebuilds and gets strong that's it yeah and it's a really good idea to get that protein shake in right before bedtime if you're training because that's where the muscles repair and and everything comes back to a, say, so a literally stasis. That, that protein just right before bedtime brush, uh, like protein brush your teeth get into bed totally totally okay. and and it is a buffer so it's not acidic whey protein is not acidic yeah it is a buffer it is um neutral to alkaline so it does all the right stuff before bedtime cool nikki thank you so much i'm going to give your your website again it's reinvent health .co.za, um, Instagram, reinvent, and then underscore N-I-C-C-I. That's right. Uh, you run a podcast as well. Yeah. And um, thank you so much. This it's has a been pleasure. such valuable information. Love it. Thank you. Cool.